Hey everybody, this is Rodney O'Quinn, bass player with Foghat, and you're listening to Bruce Moore on the Brutally Delicious Podcast. issues <laughs> <laughs> how are you doing man good 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 i'm glad you were able to take the time where are you at today uh, i'm home right now in florida oh nice what... uh i live in melbourne which is just below Cocoa beach on the east coast oh, nice yeah i used to live in um st pete for a while okay yeah me and my wife love it over there yeah it's really it's I... gotten it's gotten really expensive now but oh yeah I used to, we used to, we lived down there for about 18 years or so. I got you. Nice, nice. So anyway, let's talk about Foghat. Let's talk about Foghat. <laughs> I guess the, my, my first question is, and this might be a big one, but how does it feel to be still doing this after so many years and still be relevant? Um, You know, it's quite, you know, uh, it's a very surreal thing to me. I mean, obviously I'm not an original guy, but... Uh, I mean, Roger's the last remaining original person in the band, and he's kept the machine going for 52 years, That's man. Crazy. Yeah, and he, he don't show up any signs of wanting to hang up the drumsticks anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, it was excellent, excellent, yeah. Uh, but to me, you know, it's like a real surreal thing because, I mean, when Foghat Live first came out in 77, that's when I was just starting to try to figure out how to play bass. And, you know, that was one of my go-to records, whether I was trying to learn it on my bass or if I was cranking up the tennis racket and air playing. <laughs> right. But later in life, Craig McGregor pretty much handpicked me to be his successor, so... That gives me one of those Mark Wahlberg moments in that movie Rockstar. Yeah. I used to have posters of these guys on my wall. Now I'm <laughs> one of them. <laughs> was it like really surreal? Yeah, it was really cool. I mean, it was a very flattering honoring, you know, that he even mentioned it. Uh, it all came about uh, some of the crew guys would mention my name every now and then because every so often Craig was taking time off because he was managing his son's band. And, uh, I was playing with Pat Travers at the time and, uh, it was one weekend we played his hometown and he was off the road that weekend. So him and his wife came out and we hung out. And then the next morning he picked me up, took me to my house, to his house and cooked me a fantastic breakfast. And we sat at the kitchen table and talked about everything from A to Z. And then towards the end of the conversation, he just kind of said, you know, uh, if, the opportunity was or would arise, would you be interested? And I'm like, well, I would hate to see you leave Foghat, but, uh, you know, put my name in the hat. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> so, a couple, so a couple of months later, you know, I didn't hear anything. And then all of a sudden one day, you know, I got a call and uh, we kind of started putting everything in motion. But uh, Roger always says that after I'd left uh, from that meeting, Craig called him and all he would say is like, mini me mini me and then yeah and then he would just go just just this is for rodney just just give rodney the gig this this is for rodney he's the guy so i'm like going yeah a lot of i just wish it would have been under yeah um you know i was already playing with uh you know i played with that pat travers for almost nine years and in the meantime I've, i've played with a lot of other people you know 
uh, Mark Farner, Ronnie Montrose, right. uh, Dick Giggs, we've Derek St. Holmes as well, you know, so I've got, I've kind of been around the block a oh, little. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But, uh, it, it was just kind of a, a, yeah, it was a very cool thing, you know, cause all of a sudden this was like a, a true, uh, a mentor of mine. And all of a sudden he was like, yeah, I'm giving you the nod. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, so what I, was, wish, I wish it was under different circumstances. Unfortunately, you know, it right. was a health issue that took him off the road and I hate that, but, um, but you, you were know, there. So yeah, I so, was there. So, so Sonic Mojo, what was the writing process? Like you guys able to all write together? And if so, it was, it was a very, uh, this one was done a little kind of, uh, different because it was kind of pieced together at times. Cause Roger was getting ready to have shoulder surgery. So he was like, you know, I want to get a record done, you know, management's on us about doing a record. So it was kind of, uh, uh, we got in there and kind of hashed it out, had some ideals. Plus Kim Simmons, you know, had wrote some songs. That was his thing. He was like, you know, uh, he was having a hard time touring because of his health, but he was still writing a lot. And he came back to Roger and, you know, we got three songs on there, but he had wrote four, but we got three on here. But, uh, you know, so th- that lent a hand. So he had kind of, you know, we just polished up a little bit of what he had already done. And uh, then we had some other stuff we'd been kicking around for a while that we just never got a chance to do anything with. So there was a certain amount of it that was kind of there, but just needed some polishing. And then there was a few different things we did that uh, those guys had kind of, cut the drum tracks and then I showed up and then they go, okay, you need to put bass to this. And I'm like going, <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> but what was real crazy is some of, some of the ones that when they would play them back to me, because all of a sudden there was a couple of them I hadn't even heard at all. And I'm like going, okay, what am I going to do here? <laughs> and uh, actually it was like when it was all said and done, I was going, yeah. So wait, there are some songs you didn't hear till you got to the studio. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Which I mean, some of them were remakes, you know. We, you know, because Fawcett's always done some, but it was like they did their little twist, like Mean Woman Blues. Uh, yeah, it's a very old blues song, but I mean, it almost when we cut it, they almost kind of cut it with a little bit of a Latin feel. I'm a white Florida redneck. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, you know. About the only thing worse they could have done to me was cut a reggae track. (laughs) Reggae music's like my kryptonite. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. You try try to get me to play reggae, you'll find out real quick how white I am. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're in Florida, I'm imagining a lot of this was done, besides the ones that you learned in the studio or heard first time in the studio by email, right? Yeah, we did, a, you know, bounced a little bit of stuff around with email and it'd be just like, well, here's some, here's a, you know, scratch guitar and drum, you know, or scratch guitar and you know, just a click track and stuff like that. Uh, but, but yeah, some of these though, for me, I just kind of showed up. Okay. It's time for you to cut bass tracks. Okay. I walk in and sit there with the headphones and listen to them for a few times. Okay, let's try this. Let's try that. Let's try the other. Yeah, we didn't record this all at once. It, you know, it was definitely done in the box, right? so to speak. Uh, uh, when we did stuff on Under the Influence, uh, the last studio record, uh, you know, there was a lot of that that was just cut live. 
and there was still a certain there was still a certain amount of that that was still done in the box too, but not as much. This one here because of trying to hurry up and get drum tracks done first, you know that that Roger'd be happy with before, right. you know his surgery kind of dictated a lot of it. It's amazing, like where the technology has brought us, right? Because I think sometimes the and you could probably speak to this more than me, but I think sometimes you sacrifice immediacy and doing it, you know, being able to do it that way as for like uh, quality, I guess, because a lot of times you would be able to get into a studio and bounce things off each other. Right. And the songs yeah, would sort I, of progress and change and morph. Yeah. And, and then there's a certain amount of to say of just playing the songs as a band for a little while before you actually go in the studio. Cause there's a couple of these tracks that we're playing live already and you know you can see where there's little different little changes if we've made because uh, of as we're more so playing it together and gelling more right, that's kind of kind of changed a few things here and there yeah that was my point so, i think in the old days yeah. everybody bounced stuff off and the songs kind of yeah changed before they got to the studio right 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 you know so yeah, i mean uh I've done that before where we actually had time that we even would try songs live for a little while just to see how, what would work live and stuff. And, and then by the time you actually made it into the studio, you'd kind of really already polished a lot of the edges off of it. Right. So with that so, being, but not, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, if that's the case, then you did stuff like that in the past. Greetings from evergreen podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Were those songs or do you write songs like how they're going to come across on stage or what the audience reaction is going to be? Or do you write the song more or less for the song's sake? Um, you know, me personally, when I write songs, I try to think in terms of how that's going to convey live. Cause there's tons of songs bands write and, uh, you'll listen to them. They're great for listening, but then you, you try to play them live. It just doesn't work. Right. You know? And, and so I've kind of, my process is that I try to, you know, envision, you know, this being played live on stage and how it would, you know, sound and feel, um, you know, but then a lot, a lot of approaches as well is just, uh, you know, Hey, I kind of got this going on and yeah, I'm digging it. What do you think about it? Yeah. We dig it. And it's just, Hey, it's, it's a song that we're happy about. Right, right. And we have a couple, we have a couple of those on the record, you know, uh, that we did that it's like, they, they sound real good and they, they felt good, you know, are, are they song, you know, we were quite pleased with the finished product, but is it something we would truly play live? Don't know. Right. Now that makes you sense. Know. What about, but, um, you know, go ahead. You know, but there's a, there's tons of songs off of the fog hat, you know, 
catalogs throughout the years that are the same way. You know, they're great to listen to, but, you know, just live, it's like, you know, it just, you know, your diehard fans would want to hear it, but, you know, does it really move people like it does if they were just kind of sitting at home chilling and listening to it or driving around and cruising in their car? Right. You know. Are you planning on taking this out on the road? Were you guys out on the road already? Oh, we're we're always on the road, man. (laughs) (laughs) I just... Yeah, you know, we, 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 we tour a little bit differently, you know, like a lot of bands do nowadays. We do fly dates. We don't do buses no more. Right. Um, but, you know, at that rate, you know, literally, I mean, this past weekend, I mean, we played uh, we played Thursday night in Boston, just outside of Boston at a festival, and then we played Friday night in Las Vegas. So, oh, you wow. know, at that, yeah, yeah, at that rate, you can bounce. Yeah, no, so, I know. Um, it, but we're we're good. Yeah, we're good for about you know sixty to seventy shows a year. Wow. So do you find it difficult, you know, being of a certain age, I guess, doing seventy dates a year because that's still a lot, right? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, traveling's exhausting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and of course, that's our joke. We don't get paid to play; we get paid to travel. Right. Wait in airports <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, I mean, the, the playing's the fun part of it all. You know, I didn't mind all the travel and the, the hectic schedule until trying to get back into the swing of doing it after the pandemic. Because yeah. when the pandemic hit, I mean, we were off the road for 16 months. And uh, when yeah. we first started going back, it was like, oh, God, you know, yeah. I used to enjoy this. <laughs> <laughs> right. You got spoiled. And- yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, it just seems... Uh, you know, it just doesn't, it definitely, and, and of course, I guess that's part of getting older. Yeah, <laughs> <too>. for sure. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, none of us will say a word about it because Roger just trucks right along, not yeah. a care in the world, and, you know, everything's great. So I was like, as long as he's good with it, I guess I can't say nothing. <laughs> right, and in the end, I mean, bands come and go so much, right? It's, it's amazing that somebody makes it five years, let alone, what we say, 51? It's crazy, right? Right. And and the thing is, you know, like I said, Roger's been the constant force there. Brian Bassett has been affiliated with Foghat about 27 years. Right. Uh, you know, he, he, he actually got into Foghat, not necessarily with Roger, because there was a point in history, Lonesome Dave went back to England, Roger kept Foghat going, and Dave was cool with it. But then when Dave came back to the States again, he just started his own thing instead of saying, Hey, I want to get, let's get back together. Right. And, uh, there was a point that there was almost like two fog hats. There was fog hat and it was Lonesome Dave Peverett's fog hat. Well, Brian Bassett played with Lonesome Dave. Right. And then when Rick Rubin wanted to get the original four back together, that kind of put Brian to the side. So he went with Molly Hatchet at the end. Right. And, uh, when Rod Price couldn't tour no more, it was instantly Roger was like, well, Dave, you want me to audition guitar players? And Dave's like, no, I got the guy. And then Brian came back in. So collectively, Brian's been in the fold at least 27 years now. Right. Um, you know, um, and then you like Charlie retired at 20 years. You know, he was the previous singer. Sure. Um, yeah, you know, he retired at 20 years and, I've already been in in here over you could over eight and a half now myself, right. and then uh, Scott's already hitting two years. And, but the I'm music, flies, is, man. <laughs> but 
But the music is timeless, <laughs> right? I mean, there are those classics yeah, that are and just the, timeless. Yeah, and the thing is, though, I mean, we were all true fans. You know, I mean, we were, you know, like uh, Brian, me, you know, Scott, we, we were Foghat fans. We're not just, we weren't just guys that, oh, I need a gig. Let me go play with this guy. Right. You know, and, you know, we were just fans to it. And it's like me, if I'm not a fan of the music, I, I have no interest in doing it. No, that makes sense. You know? Yeah. I mean, uh, it's just that. It, just there's so many guys, it's like they'll move from one band to the next, and it's kind of like just a paycheck. I'm right. Like, nah, that's okay. So the last and one I have. has got to be fun. Yeah, the last one I have, because I told the man that I'd keep it under 20, is when you, what's it like now? Because you guys are out there playing new tunes, I assume. So is the response really good to, like, driving and stuff? Actually, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, right now in the show, we're playing uh, uh, Driving On. Uh, she's a little bit of everything, and I don't appreciate you. And actually, all three of those songs are just going over great. That's you can great. see people just, you know, tap, you know, bobbing their heads, and you know, you can see people where they're picking up on the line of, uh, uh, "She's a little bit of everything," and, and uh, I don't appreciate you. Those people kind of pick up real quick on uh, those, you know, taglines that you can actually see them singing along. Right. Um, but yeah, we've had tremendous uh, and and. Two of those songs we've already released, kind of like sneak release, and then I think another one's fixing to drop here uh, in the next week or two. Uh, you know, teasers before the actual oh, yeah. release date on November 10th. But so far, uh, they, you know, people's just really, really uh, taken to it. That's fantastic. So, that, so that's a good sign. Rock yeah. and roll's still alive. Yes. I think it's more needed than ever because everybody needs a little bit of a distraction and a little bit of, uh, you know, fun yeah. from the shit we live through. Yeah. And that's kind of one of our little taglines. We let people know, you know, if we play our first song and we talk a little bit, you know, Scott just talks about, you know, Hey, if you don't mind, you know, next, next, uh, hour or so, we're just going to play some music and have some fun and forget about, you know, everything else that's going on. Yes. Yep. I so. agree. Well, that's all I had. I appreciate you taking the time, and I'm sorry that uh, we got kind of got jumbled here in the beginning. No, that's okay. I just figured it was me again because <laughs> it seems I, like I it know. never fails. I could blame you if you want, but I don't know if it was me or okay. you. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like. <laughs>